We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you'll turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes, we're going to be turning to a few things all within this 12-chapter section. As we work through the Bible, we've worked all the way up through the books uh, to Proverbs last time and now Ecclesiastes this time. I have a friend who calls this his favorite book in the Bible, which probably says more about him than it does the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, this book is, um, he's the first person, by the way, I've ever heard say that. If you just sit down and read this thing at face value, you would probably find yourself just a tad bit depressed. It's a bit of a depressing book. It's loosely organized. You feel like, where is this going? And it's very pessimistic. There are some lighter spots in it, but it's, it's mostly a heavy, a heavy book that feels like you're going through the wreckage of another person's mistakes. You're just kind of walking by and you're trying to get your magnifying glass and see what caused this wreck and what caused this wreck and what caused this wreck. How can I learn from this so that I don't wreck? That's kind of what Ecclesiastes feels like to me. Um, in the Hebrew, the title refers to a person who speaks in assemblies. A lot of people think Solomon wrote this, but it never says that. It calls him the teacher, the preacher, Koheleth in Hebrew. Jewish literature will tell you they debated long and hard about whether to put this book in the Bible or not. They really struggled with whether it belonged there, and they finally decided with the, the strong religious teaching at the beginning and the strong religious teaching at the end, it belongs in there. The New Testament never quotes from it. You have no sign that they knew anything of it. Uh, because there's just no occasion to. The introductory stuff in this letter leads to um, uh, this, this guy who's looking for a meaning in his life. Where's the big thing in life that's worth majoring my time in? And he goes through wisdom, being the smartest guy around. Have you ever met anybody who's very brilliant but has no common sense whatsoever? Have you ever met a person like this? Don't, don't point fingers, just raise your hand, right? I know a guy, anyway, I'm not going to start doing that, but anyway, that's kind of, he, he's, he's pursuing just wisdom, be the smartest person. Then he goes and he says, no, it's about pleasure, and he pursues pleasure to its end, and then riches and human effort, and then uh, human activity, and then riches again, and finally he just throws up his hands and says, it's just, it's kind of futile, right? If you're going to pick a memory verse, everybody should already know what it is. It's the very end, and when you, when, you, when you go through a book like this, a guy says, here's my experiences, just kind of cut through to the end and see what he says at the end. That's kind of when it wraps it all up. And this is what he says at the end. Everybody should memorize this. Maybe not this version. Maybe you should stick with King James. The end, here's the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. You want to know what, in a nutshell, what your purpose is? There it is. It's actually said on page 1, Genesis 1. Really just, it says that, and then he comes back to it here in, in Ecclesiastes. God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Great, great memory verse. Everybody should know this. But there are so many famous lines from this book. Here's some of them. Vanity, vanity, all is Vanity. That's I say chapter 1, verse 2, but he says that many times. There's nothing new under the sun. You've said this, right? It says it 25 times. That's two per chapter with an extra one thrown in somewhere, right? 
Nothing new under the sun. And that just simply means people come and go. There's a cycle of life and uh, new fads come on, but y'all, the old ones will come back. It's anything that you see that's visible and tangible that's not on the other side of the sun where God is down here that you can see that's scientifically provable. That's under the sun and there's nothing new. Oh, bell bottoms you think are new? Oh, promise me, young people. Please look back at the 70s and the 60s. And now the stonewashed high-rise jeans. Oh, you think that's cool? That was ugly in the 80s. There ain't nothing new under the sun. You think you discovered something new? Oh, we tried that. And you know what? The generations probably back in the 40s did the same thing. Just look back a little bit. You want to know what's ahead? Look back. Just look back. Now they wear the stonewashed jeans, but they put rips in them automatically. You pay for the rips, y'all. You pay for the rips. Um, a three-fold cord is not quickly... Broken, so you know this. It's like, you know, two people can keep each other warm, three people, all that stuff. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Oh, we got some old timers in here who heard your parents say that to you. That started here. Um, cast your bread upon the waters. Do you know this one as much? It'll come back to you. It used to, be, used to be you'd hear some Christian financial advisors who would use this. It's from chapter 11, verse 1. Here's a secret for a little bird told me. You've heard this one? You've heard somebody start something? A little bird told me? That came from here. Now, here's, here's, a, picture, yeah, here's a picture hint of the next one. No, no, that's going back. Go forward. Yeah. Anybody know who this is? Okay, y'all ready to sing with me? Okay, now this morning the young people got it. Let's see if you older people get this. To everything, there is a season. Now where does that come from? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That is Ecclesiastes. And everything the birds put in it, they ripped it off of God. They, should, they owe royalties to the Lord, right? Because they just rip it right out of Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, if you have your Bibles open, turn to chapter 5. This is just, the, some, a couple of these are just so famous, I just want to um, point out reference to them. Um, this is about vows, chapter 5, verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. He has no pleasure in fools. You ever heard that one? No pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth not lead you into sin. And that's kind of in the context where he says, uh, let your words be few. It's one of my favorite songs, let my, my words be few. Don't say much. Don't promise much. God doesn't make you promise anything, but if you promise it, you must deliver. So don't make many promises. Say it all the time. And yet every Hallmark movie, I promise I'll never hurt your feelings. You will. You will. If you live long enough. Um, two kinds of days. Look at chapter 7. Verse 14, in the days of prosperity, when things are going well, be joyful. And in the days of adversity, when things are lacking, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Be joyful when things are good. Be thoughtful when things are in disarray. God made both of them. There's value to both kinds of days. Is that true? 
The days of plenty, there's lots to be joyful about. The days of scarcity, there's something in it for you. Now, as we point out the three things, because that's what we've done all along, the three things about a book, we're going to put it in a, in a certain way for Ecclesiastes, because I like, it's kind of fun on this. This is what I'd say to young people, because this is a book, I'm going to say Solomon, even though the book doesn't say it. Solomon wrote as an old man to speak to young people. This is a book for young people. And the way you know that is the way he ended the book in chapter 12. So join me at chapter 12 because this is the purpose of his writing. And it's really, it's really creative, and you can miss it if you don't watch out. So chapter 12, verse 1, Remember then your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come. Now evil doesn't necessarily mean moral. It just means when bad things start happening. And the years draw near of which you will say, I... I don't find pleasure in life anymore. There's coming a day when you just won't like life like you used to. Now, who needs to hear that? Young people need to hear that. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, he starts using a long metaphor, and I want you, we're going to stop and tell you what these metaphors mean, but in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, that's your arms. Your arms tremble. I can't keep my house like I used to because my arms are weak. The strong men are bent. That's the bones. Your bones are bent. You are now kind of hobbling, right, or bent over. The grinders cease because they're few. What's that? Your teeth. So now your teeth are just not what they used to be, so you can't, you know, eat like you used to. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Why is the view out the window dim? It's not because the window's dirty. It's because you can't see. So now your eyes go. Don't anybody stand up and testify to this, okay? Um, and the doors on the street are shut. You don't go out much anymore, kind of confined. When the sound of the grinding is low, why is the sound of the grinding low? You can't hear. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. You just don't sleep well. The slightest things just disturb you. You can get up. Your daughters of song are brought low. You don't have a strong voice to sing anymore. And you remember when you used to? They're afraid of that which is high. Now, it's afraid of heights, but it really is a fear of falling. Because you're just not moving. The terrors are in the way, right? The almond tree blossoms. The blossoms white. Your hair goes white. I see some people like that in here. The grasshopper drags himself along. He doesn't walk very well. Desire fails, your appetite's gone, because man is going to his eternal home. And then he gives a bunch of images about the death to come, right? The mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped, your life goes. The golden bowl is broken, there's you an image. The pitcher is shattered, the fountain, the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth that it was, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Vanity is vanity. Y'all, it's going to happen to you, and I can say this when people get older, and my parents got older, I'm like, oh, come on, guys, you, you don't need to be able to still do all this stuff. They just can't do it anymore, and I want to say, oh, now you can't. When I get there, I'm going to be able, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
going to happen to you. Now, why would he say at the beginning of this, remember your creator in the days of your youth? Because your strength and your senses are to be used to get to know your creator. Your time, your ability, take advantage of them and get to know your creator when you're young. Use your strength to serve him with your hands while you're young. Use your voice to give him praise while you're young. Look at the earth while you're young and you can still see it and give praise to the God who made those mountains or that beach or that beautiful scene because there's coming a day when you can't see it. And there's a lot of people who say, I'll get right with God later on, but when their, their senses leave them, they don't have access to these avenues of getting to know God like they had when they were young and they miss out on it. Don't, don't miss it, young people, Ecclesiastes says. The taste of good food and being able to say, mm, God, that was good. Getting a good night of rest. Oh, that is a sweet thing. And there's coming a day when you may not, and you, and you thank God for it, right? And I know people like this. Now, when you do it when you're young, you will still lose this. But when your relationship with God is established through the strength of youth, when you do get old and start losing those things, you'll have a relationship already that you can lean on your Creator and He can sustain you during these days. If you wait till these days to establish it, you can't really do it very well. Don't miss it. How many people do you know can't hear like they used to and they can't hear the singing even when they come to worship? Their voice is weak and they can't sing anymore. Like David, when he's on the run, he just dreams. I dream of going back to my childhood when I walked into the to the temple of God and praised him with my brothers and sisters now he's out in the woods and he can't do that I want to say to young people while you can pursue God get to know God because the day is coming when you won't be able to advance that relationship like you'd like to but if you have memory of having done it while you could it will minister to you when those days come. It reminds me of being a kid growing up in a church where it's a small church of 40 people, and they, I knew where everybody sat, and they loved me. We had potlucks all the time. We did do youth stuff. We did do a few little things like that, and I cherish those memories and then become a youth minister, and I take all those kids. We do every youth minister, youth youth. Uh, rally that we could and we do those little devotionals and listen I'm telling you I, there's no greater advocate for that stuff than me because all that little stuff may seem like well it's just a little thing it ain't no little thing it ain't no little thing there's a reason we hire a youth minister to give fo focused concentrated attention on spiritual things because this is crucial to their young lives. If they're going to be the elders they need to be later on, they've got to have this experience right now while they can. I don't want them to waste their time. So at the end he's saying, here's, the, here's what I'm, don't waste your time. Invest it in your relationship with God. Okay, so that's kind of the context we'll put these three things from Ecclesiastes in. So here's the three things of Ecclesiastes. Fear God. Keep His commandments. And by the way, 
This time the one, two, three is in chronological order. In the order of importance. Absolute number one is this. Whatever else you're doing in life, always do the right thing. Always be doing the right thing. It's the whole duty of man. It's everything. Whatever else you're doing, if you can't do the right thing, don't do it. It's the number one thing. You will have things that face you, challenges. You'll have decisions to make. You don't really know what the right thing is. You'll feel restless. You'll feel bored. You'll have times of feeling lost a little bit. But always, always, always do the honorable to God thing. Always. It's always the right thing to do the right thing. You think that's true? When you don't know anything else, do the right thing. Right? It's the whole duty. This is a preacher talking, right? Not me, Ecclesiastes, I'm saying. This guy has some mileage on him. He's lived some bad times and he's pursued some dead ends. He wants you to not have to do that yourself. So there were times when he was pursuing money, and there's nothing wrong with the money, right? If money is one stop along the journey to finding God, that's fine. But when you make it the end all, when you make it the purpose of your life, all of a sudden, this thing that can be a tool to knowing God becomes an obstruction to him. It becomes a dead end. You make it a cul-de-sac. You know what a cul-de-sac, right? Instead of it being like something that vaults you on, no, you stop here and you camp here thinking this is a sum total of life. And he says to us, don't do it. Because suddenly, you're not fearing God and keeping his commandments. You're losing sight of this for the money. Money's fine if you keep this number one. So it's a bit simplistic to say that. He's saying this is a dead end. What he's really saying is uh, too much of anything, even a gift from God's hand, can become a horrible thing. So, fear God and keep his commandments. Number one, say to our young people this. Whatever else you do in life, Fear God and keep his commandments. Number two, life is vanity. The word is hevel. It's an interesting word that nobody really knows how to translate. So there's several words you can use for this, and we're going to use them all. I'm not going to make any choices. I'm just going to throw out the bucket on you, just and you guys figure it out. It's fleeting. Life's fleeting. Uh, you can't hang on to it. You can't count on it to stay the same. You can't. It's not going to stop and let you off and camp here for a while. You take what you can and learn what you can, but y'all, it's going to move along. Okay, so one of the real struggles about leaving Kennett and coming over here, Kennett is, is like the background of my life as far as those good years, but you know what the years I miss are? It's not really Kennett. It's the time period when we're raising our kids there. And that place doesn't exist any more and I can try to hang on to it all I want and I can keep it in my memory and think that it's it's rooted to a geographical location it's not those days are gone they're fleeting they go like this and I can say that to parents all I want oh yeah yeah whatever no they said it to me too and I yeah yeah whatever it's true it's fleeting boom it goes you can't hang on to it so don't go striving after it it's fleeting vanity but it's not just fleeting it's transitory you know it transitions and it forces you to move along no matter what you feel about it 
you have a, I say to people, you have a, a time period in your life you'd like to go back to? And they'll say, yeah. But I, I want to say to them, well, you can't. I mean, you might as well not waste your time thinking about that. You can't. It moves you along. Just when you get comfortable, life changes. Anybody notice that? Just when you get comfortable, the kids move out. Just when you get comfortable, they move back. And there's some moves in life that you like and you would prefer to stay there, but you can't. You live with them, you live through them, you learn something in them, you cherish something in your mind about them, and then it changes again. Don't fall in love with any particular time period because it is not, hang on loosely as the rock song says. I quote a lot of old rock. Do you notice that? Hang on loosely. Don't, don't fall in love because if you do and you, you hang on to it, I want it to stay here, it'll crush you when it moves. On the other hand, when something bad's present, hang on, this too will pass. Because life is transitory. Life is mysterious. Man, there's just some things that happen. You never, you, you didn't see them coming. You don't know what they mean. It's in a cycle, kind of, Ecclesiastes said. And you submit to it. You're not going to get a postcard to tell you what's coming up. And you're not going to get a detailed explanation of what just happened. Life is hevel. It's fleeting, it's transitory, it's mysterious, and it ends. Now you can swear, like Brooke Shields and some of these others, you can get that right makeup or that right shot or something and keep your youth. No, you can't. You are not going to survive this life because life is vanity, it's going to end. Isn't that depressing? Right? I told you. That's, that's kind of what Ecclesiastes is. It's just telling you, hey, this is reality. You can sit there. I'm an optimist. You're an optimist, but you're going to die. I'm a pessimist. I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm a realist. We're going to die. What should your fact, the fact that you're going to die mean? It should mean that you live a certain way. That's what it should mean. Value it while you got it. Live it while you can. And there's a third thing. And remember something about this third thing. This is in the order of importance. Fear God and keep His commandments is more important than enjoying the journey. Whatever you do to enjoy the journey, fear God and keep His commandments. That's number one. And number two is it's so vanity. It's just vanity, but it means something. It means something. So here's the third one, and, and this is the one probably, there are five what they call... Um, joy passages I think that's what they call it joy passages in this book that kind of pause and say but now don't get too depressed about this there's some enjoyment in life and so enjoy the journey life is unpredictable death is inevitable but you can enjoy the journey if you can if you can honor instead of fighting the limits you can enjoy what you have but if you want to spend your life fighting the limits you will go down fighting and being bitter so enjoy the journey and, and and this is of all the joy passages in here it's my favorite one i quote this all the time i have it in memory but um it's my favorite one even in, in some funerals so here's behold what i've seen to be good and fitting the writer says 
eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. This is his lot. Enjoy the time you've been given. Under the sun, there's the under the sun. Everyone also, get this, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions, that's one blessing from God, and also the power to enjoy them, that's a second power of God. We'll talk about that in a second. Accept his lot. Accept where you are. Accept your time constraints. We'll talk about that in a second. And rejoice in his toil. Enjoy your work. Contributing something to the earth, right? This is a gift from God. He's allowing you to enjoy the present. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy in his heart. Here's the thing. If you spend too much time thinking about what you've lost, you can make yourself miserable. And the person God blesses is the one who gives him so many present time blessings that he doesn't dwell on the depressing stuff. Not for long. He needs to for a little while, but not long. Now, you put all these, there's some things in here. First, and I can't help but think of Mac Ramsey and Carpe Diem when you read these passages. These five joy passages, seize the day. I think that's really what it means. And here's, here's just two or three things about enjoying the journey. Be present in this life and enjoy it. Don't wish your life away. And don't regret your life away. Live in the present and enjoy it. Not always thinking about what's next or what happened back then. Enjoy what you have now. That's one of the things he says in this passage. Another one is accept the limits. Here's the thing. I'm, uh, there's a book uh, I really like called We're Only Human. And what it says is you've got 24-hour days. Everybody has the same 24 hours. You can only fit a finite number of things in that time. But I find families trying to cheat time. I'm going to try to pack more than is physically possible in there because I can drive faster, get to that place quicker, and I can be at three places during this time period rather than just one. And here's what you do when you do that. You aren't fully present in any of them. You've got three mediocre things you give attention to. You get them all, but you're not fully present in them. Don't tell me you can, don't tell me you can multitask either. Human beings can't multitask. Not really. Not in the significant things. Accept the limits. You've got 24 hours. You need to sleep in eight of them. Here's what you've got. Here's what you've got. You've got this amount of time. Now, when you put something quality in that, say no to other things and give your full present attention to the few things you can do rather than do the 10 things mediocre-wise. That's what, that's what Ecclesiastes says. You've got limits, right? Don't fight them and don't demand that life give you more than it can. And then it's one thing to be blessed by God with things. It's a completely separate thing to be blessed by God with the ability to enjoy them. You know, it's one of the greatest curses, and I'll say this in a sermon every once in a while. When God gives you stuff, but he doesn't bless you with the ability to enjoy it, he makes you restless, wanting more and wanting more, and you don't even enjoy what you have. What a curse. So when he gives you the 
Back up to that verse, if you would. Just kind of, yeah, right here. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, these are the gifts of God. When he gives you things and people and you enjoy them rather than clamoring for more, do you know people like I was like this today, I'll be honest with you. Instead of enjoying one piece of fish, I was thinking about the third piece that was on my plate. And I kept thinking, man, i got to hurry up and eat this dessert so I can get another piece of the dessert. Why not just fully enjoy the one and end right there? Just enjoy this. I'm going to have another piece of pumpkin pie sometime in my life. I do not have to act like this is my last one ever. Can you just enjoy those? There are a couple of responses I think you can make to the book of Proverbs. One is this. I sure wish somebody told me that a long time ago. That's not really what they say. I wish I'd have gotten that years ago. I'm sure somebody told people. You just in your youth probably thought, yeah, I'll beat the odds and do better than that. Yeah, you think you will. You won't. And when you're about 70, you'll realize you couldn't, and you shouldn't have tried, and somebody should have told you, but you've forgotten somebody did. So one response is, I wish someone had convinced me of that long time ago. Or it could be this one. Amen. That's exactly the truth. Did anybody think that at all? Anytime? Anybody think, well, that's the truth? Fine, then just call me a liar. All right. It is the truth. That's why this book is in the Bible. We are blessed that this book made the cut. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the reality of your word and, and how you are so clear with us about how human life will go. You know us. We sometimes get mad at you because you just don't know what human life, life is like, but you very much know what it's like. Not only because your son lived it, but because you, you know it and you're the author of it. And you put such realistic things in your word, things that are so practical like this book that tells us get to know our creator when we're young and when we're old we'll be able to thrive on that relationship that's already established. We're grateful for our abilities and our senses. Thank you for the ability to taste, to see, to hear, the strength to do things, the ability to walk, things that we so often take for granted and help us to use all those for your glory and your purpose and learn about you and be grateful to you for everything that we have and help us to love you. Help us to honor our limits. Help us to fear you and keep your commandments. Help us to know that life is fleeting and vain and how to live it with pleasure and joy knowing that we're honoring our creator and how we live it. All this stuff we talked about Father, I pray that we can keep it in our minds and when tomorrow morning's alarm goes off, this will be in our heads and it will impact how we actually live tomorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.